If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's one of the first things discussed at your initial prenatal medical appointment, your due date. Knowing the approximate date your baby is expected to arrive is an important factor in determining the best prenatal care possible. But how accurate are these due dates? And what happens if your due date comes and goes and still no baby? I'm Lolly Reddy, an OBGYN with Sharp Grossmont Hospital, and this is Preggy Pals, episode 67. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant. And I have to exercise? What, pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit! I've got cankles! What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms, and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your weekly online on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Sunny Galt. Have you joined our Preggy Pals Club? Our members get all of our archived episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. And you'll also get a free subscription to Pregnancy Magazine, so you can't lose. If you want more information, you can visit our website, which is preggypals.com. And thanks to everyone who is listening to this episode through our awesome Preggy Pals apps. We do have two of them. So whether you prefer your iPhone or your iPad or your Android phone, we've got two different versions. It is the best way, in my personal opinion, to listen on the go, especially for parents who are always out and about or if you are at your prenatal appointment and you are just waiting for the doctor. This is a great way to just get caught up on the latest episodes. And they are free, so be sure to download our app today. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Before we get started with today's show, we have a brand new segment here on Preggy Pals. It is called Five Minute Birth Stories, and that's exactly what it is. We're asking our listeners to call our voicemail, which is 619-866-4775, and share your birth story in five minutes or less. Hi, this is Megan Church from South Bend, Indiana. I'm the writer of Unexpected.com and the former blogger for Preggy Pals. And I just wanted to take a few minutes to share the birth story of my third child. My uh, first two births had gone pretty well, and they had been hospital births with a midwife. But when the third pregnancy came along, I suddenly started to wonder if we should do a home birth. I'd been doing a lot of research for my book, Unexpected. I suddenly had this feeling that I couldn't be so lucky again to have a good hospital birth, especially one that didn't end with a C-section. 
But after talking with my midwife, who I had a really good relationship with and had full confidence in, I decided that I was going to stay with the hospital. It was about five days before my due date, and I woke with mild contractions at 2 in the morning. My first two kids were post-due. My first child was 10 days post-due, and my second one was 6 days. So at that point, I was like, there's no way this is real labor. I still have about a week to go here. So I tried just to ignore the contractions and go back to sleep. But, of course, then my mind began racing with to-dos and tasks and stuff that I wanted to get done before the baby came. But the contractions, they didn't progress at all until about 9 o'clock that night. Uh, At that point, they started to become more regular, but I still wasn't sure if it was the real thing. I was still thinking, I'm five days early. There's no way the baby could be coming right now. And I was debating what to do um, about calling my parents. They were uh, going to be watching our older two kids when we were in the hospital. And so I didn't want to inconvenience them and have them come up to our house too soon and stay the night when they didn't need to. But finally, I called my mom and I said, you know, I think it'd be best if you came and stayed the night tonight. So by about 1.30 in the morning, my parents were here. They were settled into bed. We were getting ready for bed. It was about 4.30 when I finally woke my husband because my contractions were sometimes four minutes apart, still not regularity like I'd had with my first two labors. But finally, we started reaching that four-minute mark uh, with more consistency, and we decided it was time to go. My contractions did slow a bit on the way to the hospital, which was one of my fears because, again, that happened in my first pregnancy. But thankfully, uh, they became regular again, and when I was checked in triage, I was seven centimeters, so they admitted me. At that point, the nurse asked if I wanted a water birth, and I said I definitely wanted to labor in the water, but I wasn't sure about a water birth yet. And she just went on about just how beautiful they were and how great they were and how she definitely recommended them. And I said, well, you know, I'd consider it, but basically just get me in the water to labor and we'll see after that. And the nurses, they did such a good job of getting the tub ready for me. Um, As soon as I walked into the room, it was ready and I was able to get into the water immediately. Even still, the contractions weren't as bad as I thought they should be. Um, I sat in the water kind of thinking, all right, let's get this show on the road already. I was still talking and more aware than during any other labor. Um, I was just a lot more present. During the others, I had kind of um, zoned out, spaced out, sort of gone internally. And this time around, I was just chatting more, and I just kept thinking, this isn't this isn't the real thing. It's not as intense as what I'm used to. Um, but after being in the tub for a while, things began to pick up. But as I was sitting there, I said, I turned to my husband and I said, you know, this this baby, it's not a girl. The ultrasound tech uh, wasn't 100% sure. She thought that it was a girl, but couldn't say with certainty. And I just kept thinking the whole time, it's it's a boy, this baby's a boy, this baby's a boy. And so about an hour before delivering, I was still sitting in the tub saying, this baby is going to be a boy. Um, And then transition hit, and then things got serious um, and definitely progressed at that point. My midwife was with another patient, and the nurse had given us privacy, and they had said that if we needed anything, there was a cord over the tub that we should pull, and they would come in immediately. So in the middle of transition, at the point when I think, I'm done, I just can't do this anymore, um, suddenly this powerful contraction gripped me. I had the urge to push. I yelled to my husband, pull the cord, pull the cord. And um, he pulled it. The midwife and nurse came in right away. Um, And my midwife asked if I felt the urge to push. And at that point, I was pushing. After a few good, strong, hard pushes, the baby was born. 
and um, yes, it was a girl, um, as the ultrasound tech had thought, and my mother's intuition was wrong again for the second time. I swore every baby of mine was a boy, and two of them ended up being girls, Um, but she was healthy. She was wonderful. The water birth was great. There were no interventions, no C-section, no nothing. It was just, it, it was a beautiful birth, and I couldn't have asked for anything more. Thanks for letting me share my story. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, we all have them, but some are more accurate than others. Today, we are learning all about the importance of pregnancy due dates. Our expert is Dr. Lolly Reddy. She's an OBGYN with Sharp Grossmont Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Reddy. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, we're happy to have you. So, okay, let's start with the, the basics. What exactly is a pregnancy due date? Well, it's supposed to be the date your baby should be arriving if nature obeyed all all the rules which happens that all the time yes. right <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's actually very exact but whether the baby comes on that date or not is not the point really because less than 5% of babies are actually born on their due date so it's really an approximation of how long ideally the baby should stay within your uterus before coming out and there's a lot of misconception about it It's very hard for me to translate it in terms of months because we're so used to thinking about it in terms of weeks. Right, right. So a full pregnancy is 40 weeks from the date of your last menstrual period. The first day of your last menstrual period and add 40 weeks from there. Now, this is kind of an international standardization, and it's a little bit misleading because that's really not how long the baby is inside you. You conceive your baby two weeks after your last menstrual period. Mm -hmm. So your due date is actually 38 weeks after you conceived the baby. So there's always a two-week difference between what your doctor says and how old your baby really is. So if I say you're 20 weeks along, it means you conceived them on a magical night 18 weeks ago. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and that's a really good point to make because I remember first being pregnant and being like, I don't really understand this because they're counting, you know, according to your last period, you know, and then that's that's really what they're looking at to determine 40 weeks, right? Exactly. And even that is not not exactly accurate because, you know, obviously you get pregnant when you ovulate, give or take a day or two. Right. And you ovulate two weeks or 14 days before your next period. And how do you know when that is if you got pregnant and you don't have that next period? (laughs) So, you know, if you're used to having 28-day menstrual cycles, you ovulate 14 days before your next period, which is on day 14. But let's say you have 32-day cycles. So that means you actually conceived, got pregnant, ovulated on day 18, 
which is 14 days before your right. next period would have come. Right. So there's always going to be a little bit of difference between how old your baby really is and the due date that we give you. So this is an estimate, really, right? Exactly. Okay. So what factors go into determining or estimating, basically, this due date? What do you consider? Well, there's several different things that go into play. Uh, the earlier you go in for your prenatal visit, the easier that we're able to establish what your due date is. Keep in mind that the further along you have your ultrasound, the greater the margin of error. So in other words, if you have your ultrasound done at seven weeks, the margin of error is about maybe five days. Okay. If you have your ultrasound done at 16 weeks, the margin of error can be a week, maybe even 10 days. If you have your ultrasound done at 20 weeks, the margin of error can be plus minus 10 to 12 weeks. Wow. And at 36 weeks, it can be up to plus minus three or four weeks. So basically what the margin of error is, is you, you can have 10 doctors do an ultrasound on you the same day within a few hours, and they can come up with 10 different results within that range that we call the margin of error. So we would never change your due date based on a later ultrasound. But if you come in early, let's say at seven weeks, Mm -hmm. and the ultrasound says that, no, you're actually 10 weeks, we would change your due date. So we would base it on the ultrasound. But let's say your due date calculated on your last menstrual, by your last menstrual period, Mm -hmm. puts you at seven days and three weeks, and my ultrasound says you're seven days. We wouldn't change it on that basis because it's within the margin of error. So we would give you a due date based on the first day of your last menstrual period. We would add 40 weeks from there, and that would give you your due date. So when you say the ultrasound says, what are you looking at within the ultrasound to determine due date? The very fixed measurements that we do internationally, just about everywhere. We use these same measurements. Under about 12 to 13 weeks, we use something called a crown rump measurement. We uh, put the arrow on top of your baby's head, and we put the second arrow at the very tip of your baby's bottom, and we do a measurement. And based on several thousands of previous measurements, your ultrasound has computed or calculated how far along you are based on that particular measurement. But couldn't your baby just be a small baby at that age or not? Not really. Not at that time. There is a term called small for gestational age or large for gestational age, but these things don't become apparent till much later in pregnancy. Okay. There are going to be normal genetic variations. You know, if you're four feet eleven inches and weigh hundred and twenty pounds mm-hmm. and your husband's five six, you don't really expect to have a ten pound baby. Right. Though that can happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So um, generally speaking, the measurements that are done earlier in pregnancy do tend to be very accurate. After 12 weeks, we do 
certain other measurements, especially in the third and second and third trimester. We measure something called the biparietal diameter or the BPD, which is a measurement of the diameter of your baby's head. We use another measurement for the head circumference. We use a third measurement called the abdominal circumference, which is the periphery of your baby's belly. And the fourth measurement that we use is a femur length, the measurement of your baby's thigh bone. So with this, the computer in the ultrasound machine is able to calculate exactly how far along the baby is, is also able to estimate the growth of the baby, that there's no discrepancy between the head measurement and the abdominal measurement, that all the measurements are tallying fairly precisely and that the baby is growing appropriately from one ultrasound to the next. But at that point, you're not really looking to verify due date, are you? You're looking more at the baby itself to make sure the baby's growing appropriately. Exactly. Now, we do have patients that come in much later in their pregnancy for their first visits. Really? So, oh, you'd be surprised. I have people that come in like a month before, a couple (gasps) months before. Uh, And and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not, you know, caring or that they're careless. There are financial circumstances. Some people genuinely don't know that they're pregnant until they're much further along. I mean, it it, it always sounds surprising to me. (laughs) Any woman who's felt a baby kick, it's like, how did you not know? (laughs) But maybe it's their first pregnancy. They haven't felt a baby kick before. There's other factors. So So when they do come in later in pregnancy and they have no clue about their last menstrual period, yeah. Then we pretty much have to go along with what the ultrasound says. So, okay, let's talk about that pregnancy wheel, that, that due date <laughs> wheel that we've all seen our providers pull out and right. kind of look at. What is on that wheel? And in your personal opinion, is that a, a good measure, at least in the beginning part of pregnancy, before these, these other measurements are available? Um, is that a good way to help um, determine due date? Oh, absolutely. It's very, very accurate. Um, uh, they're just a bunch of lines over there, and uh, that it's a wheel within a wheel. So you put the date of your last menstrual period to coincide with the mark on the wheel that says last menstrual period. And you look for the number 40, and you see what date it falls on. But quite honestly, a, an easier way to do that is if you're just doing it mentally, if you if you don't have access to the two dozen apps there are. <laughs> and all <laughs> the websites. Exactly. <laughs> but if you just want to do it mentally, the best way to do it is to minus three months and add seven days. So let's say that you your last menstrual period was the 15th of November. Uh-huh. So you subtract three months from there, okay. and that'll give you eight. 11 minus three is eight, which is the month of August. Okay. And then you add seven days. So your due date would be this 22nd of August. Oh, that's an interesting... I've, I've never so heard of that before. It's, it's a very simple way of doing it. Sure. So that way you don't have to have access to all these other things. Yeah. 
You know, I have to say, um, so with my little boys, um, both were given, you know, a due date. And um, my first baby came three days after, so just three days after the due date. And my second one, he was a C-section, so it's kind of hard to say when he would have come. Um, so I don't know how accurate that due date was. But but I, I did put a lot more emphasis on due date with my second because I thought, wow, if we are specifically taking a baby early, you know, and, and I think a lot of mothers have that concern too. You know, if you're going to have something scheduled, whether it's surgery, whatever. We really got to know how old these babies are going to be. And, and, and you know, same thing with me now with twins. We know these twins are going to be born via C-section. You know, so if we're going to take them at, you know, at, at 36, 37 weeks, we better know that that really is the week. Um, do you find, um, Dr. Reddy, that more more of your patients are, are more focused on their due date than when they know that there's sort of, you know, there's some sort of C-section or surgery that's pending? Oh, absolutely. And it cuts both ways. Um, in my practice, I really do try to avoid elective inductions unless right. there's a true medical reason for it. Having said that, I do have patients whose husbands are in the military, oh. you know, who really need to be delivered by a specific time. I have patients who live maybe way out in Pine Valley, mm-hmm. and it's their fourth baby. And, and they don't know when it's going to come. terrified <laughs> of having the baby in the car. Of the precipitous labor. <laughs> yes. So we do schedule them for inductions. Now, it's very, very important to know the due date when you're scheduling something electively, whether it's a C-section or an induction. There's now a national consensus that you really should never do inductions or C-sections. No, let me backtrack. You shouldn't do inductions but prior to 39 weeks. So till now, we were fairly cavalier. We used to think, oh, after 37 weeks, Mm -hmm. the baby's essentially mature. What's the big deal? But there have been some very good studies that show that even a day before 39 weeks, Mm -hmm. the baby still has a chance of developing respiratory distress syndrome, which is just not a very good thing. The baby ends up being in the NICU, has a lot of problems. And it's not just breathing issues. There's a lot of other interconnections connected issues uh, when the baby has respiratory distress syndrome. So we generally don't do inductions at all before 39 weeks. In fact, even if I tried to, the hospital wouldn't let me unless I can justify the reason for the induction. So now that's a hospital so, policy um, for well, sharp it's, it's, it's also No, it's not an individual hospital policy. Okay. It's now a national consensus. So most hospitals will toe the line. Okay. And it's a recommendation by my college, the American College of OBGYN now, that that's how it really should be done if you're doing the right thing by your patient. Now, talking about C-sections, we have found that doing a C-section actually between 38 to 39 weeks for twins is better than waiting past 39 weeks. There's a little bit of uh, an exception for that because the physiology of twin pregnancies is different. Uh, Twins grow at a different rate. The placenta may age differently and so on. But for vaginal deliveries, for inductions, we really do want to wait till 39 weeks. Let's let's talk a little bit more about what's happening um, to the baby, how they're growing between weeks 30, 
1.7 and beyond because I think that's important too. We, we have to look, you know, you were talking about the lungs and everything kind of maturing. So what is happening to the baby, um, you know, during, let's start with 37 to 40 weeks and then we can kind of talk about what typically happens after 40 weeks. Absolutely. So around 37, 38 weeks, the baby is essentially fully mature except for the lungs, mostly in the lungs. Um, there is something called a surfactant, which helps keep the little air sacs in the lungs open. Okay. Without the surfactant, the air sacs will stick together. So there's not going to be enough exchange of oxygen. So you could force oxygen into the baby's lungs, but it's really not going to diffuse into the baby's bloodstreams unless these sacs are open to be able to convey the oxygen. Okay. So... Um, even at 37 weeks, even at 38 weeks, 38 weeks, five days, six days, there can still be a problem with these sacs being open. So in about five per- up to 5% of babies, even at 37 and 38 weeks, these surfactants are still developing. But other than that, the babies are essentially mature other than this factor. Between 39 to 40 weeks, the baby is considered fully formed and fully mature. Between 40 to 41 weeks, however, a lot of changes start to take place. The baby's getting bigger. So the later you go, the later you risk ending up with a C-section because the baby might be too big for you to deliver. Uh, The baby's There's a condition called shoulder dystocia, where the head can come out, but the shoulders get stuck. Mm -hmm. So obviously, this doesn't happen in every baby that's larger than, that's older than 40 weeks. But there is a small risk of this happening. Mm -hmm. Also, around this time, the placenta starts to get old. There's calcifications in the placenta. The blood vessels are not quite as strong. So there's not an appropriate exchange of oxygen and nutrition to the baby. So the baby slowly starts to outstrip its blood supply from the placenta and can actually shrink and lose weight and develop all kinds of problems with breathing and with low blood sugar and so on. the later you get past the due date. So many of us prefer to perform an induction between 40 to 41 weeks, generally at 41 weeks. There's nothing really wrong in waiting up to 42 weeks, Mm -hmm. though statistically there is a higher incidence of morbidity and mortality between 41 to 42 weeks. It's about twice as much Uh, if the baby was born under 41 weeks. After 42 weeks, the morbidity and mortality is almost two to seven-fold, depending on the studies that you look at. So you really don't want to go much beyond 42 weeks at all, and we generally recommend 41 to 41 and a half weeks. Um, Even inductions at 40 weeks... I personally don't recommend them unless your cervix is ripe, unless your cervix is ready. Mm-hmm. There's something called the Bishop score out of score of 10. You know, if it's less than four, your chances of being having a successful vaginal delivery don't look very good. So the Bishop score is based on 
how thinned out your cervix is, how dilated it is, the position, whether, whether it's very posterior or it's moving forwards, um, things like that. So it's probably a good idea to have a, bishop, a good bishop score if you want to be induced prior to 41 weeks. After about 40 weeks, we like to monitor the baby's heart rate to make sure that the placenta is working appropriately. So if you do go overdue, it's important for us to know so that we can monitor the baby twice a week to ascertain its well-being. Wow, that's really interesting. Okay, so I I definitely want to go into this what happens after 40 weeks. I want to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll explore this a little bit more. So we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're discussing the importance of due dates. Dr. Lolly Reddy is an OBGYN with Sharp Grossmont Hospital, and she is our special expert joining us here in the studio. Okay, Dr. Reddy, um, I do want to talk more about going past your due date. We were, we were talking about that before the break. I think that's what most moms are concerned about when, when we talk about induction, that we are taking a baby, um, you know, who, who seems to be perfectly fine, if all test results show that, 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 is, isn't ready to come out yet. I, I know here in the San Diego birthing community, we're really focused on wanting to, you know, on and, and some level, let the baby do what it's supposed to do, you know, and, and too much medical intervention just seems just not quite right to a lot of people. And, and honestly, I'm one of those people too. Like I would like to do things as quote unquote normal as possible, kind of the way God intended it to be. Um, and I think that's the big concern. And when you talk about induction, unless there's a problem, because right, of course, there could be problems. Exactly. And you definitely, you know, want to do what's best for you and your baby. But just because, you know, you go past 40 weeks, you know, there, there's kind of the stigma of, oh, well, they want to induce me just because I'm past 40 weeks when there's no other signs that that, that, that could be an issue. I know with my firstborn, um, I actually had a prenatal appointment uh, on my due date. And on, the, on my due date for 40 weeks, they scheduled me for an induction for a week later. Uh, just in case. And I was not okay with that. Like, I didn't fight it because I thought, you know what, my body knows what it's doing. I'm going to go into labor before that, you know? But it bothered me. I was kind of like, you know perfectly healthy pregnancy no problems whatsoever um and you know we obviously you know didn't know there were going to be any complications with the birth or anything so it it wasn't about that Uh, you are your best advocate if someone your physician suggests something to you that you're not comfortable with you really need to ask questions and find out the reason most physicians are reasonable if there's something that's making you really unhappy you're uncomfortable with it 
no one is going to force you into the hospital and tie you down and induce well, they, labor. Well, yeah, and you, and you can't. Just like exactly. no one can tell you. Yeah, right. no one can tell you have to have a C-section. Even and though they recommend it, no one can make you do anything to your exactly. body you don't want to do. Exactly. Right. It's, it's actually, there's, you know, it's just illegal. It's called battery. If, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if I force my patient to have a C-section, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, as I had mentioned earlier, elective inductions prior to 40, 41 weeks you really have to put a lot of thought into it if it's not for a medical reason. Um, After 40 weeks, I know I've heard you say this phrase many times in the last few weeks, last few minutes, that babies come when they're ready, when they want to. And that is a little bit of a euphemism because some babies don't know when they're ready. Yeah, and sometimes things happen, uh, sure. Sure, and, you know, I have so many of my patients who refuse to take as much of... You know, they won't even take a tablet of Tylenol. They won't drink a (laughs) cup of tea because they're so concerned about their baby's well-being. Right. Yet, these same patients are cavalier about disregarding well-founded medical science. If your baby is twice as likely to have bad things happen to it. Yeah. Why would you risk it? Exactly. Why would you risk it? So there has to be some rationale to your decisions rather than broad statements like babies know when they they can. In most cases, that is true. And really, childbirth is natural up to a point. Mm -hmm. 99 times out of 100, you can have your baby at home without anything untoward happening to it. It's you go to a hospital just to prepare for the eventuality that something could go wrong. Sure. But, you know, this isn't fear mongering. And you Mm -hmm. can have a perfectly good experience in a hospital if you know your rights, if you know what you want. You've discussed your birth plan with your physician before, and he or she points out what's perfectly acceptable, what's middle of the road, and what's really a big no-no kind of a thing. So both of you are on the same page. So when you do go into the hospital, you should have a positive attitude that people who are helping you, who are with you, are your advocates. Right. They're not your adversaries, mm-hmm. and you have the final say in every matter. And when you do form an opinion about anything to do with childbirth, you want to make sure that you get your information from respected sources like mm-hmm. WebMD, eMedicine, Mayo Clinic. Kaiser Permanente actually has a great website mm-hmm. uh, on pregnancy. Uh, the American College of OBGYN. These are all very neutral sources um, where you can get the foundation of your facts and then develop your opinions after that. Uh, A lot of what you hear from family or friends, however well-meaning they are, may just be hearsay. So you want to make sure that you base your facts on established science and then ask questions from there, whether it's applicable to your situation. Um, I, I think the last comment that I would make is that, you know, we've been talking about this communication. I think that's so important between patient and doctor, whoever your care provider is, whether you're seeing a midwife, in addition to a doula, who, whoever that is. I think I'm a big advocate that women should be able to birth the way they want to birth, assuming that everything is okay with the pregnancy, with the baby and everything. And and I don't think, um, you know, I, I like to think that the doctors are there to support you and encourage 
issue and, and be your advocate. But at the same time, you know, it, it's good to do your own research and ask questions. It, it, it doesn't mean that your research is right. It doesn't mean that, that anyone's necessarily right. These, the, you're, you're both trying to have the best birth experience possible. They want you to have a healthy baby um, and a great labor and delivery experience. And um, I think it's just about communicating that to one another. If you don't want to have an induction, talk to them about well, what are the reasons you want to. I doubt they're going to say it's a golf game, you know, or something <laughs> like that. And if it is, find another provider, please. Um, I don't think it's that black and white, you know. And just keep in mind that inductions never run on schedule. You can deliver <laughs> six six hours after the induction yeah, starts or 48 true. hours. So honestly, there's really it's no true. way to, for a physician to plan their schedule around <laughs> an induction. It's a misconception of yes. it, isn't it? Okay, well, Dr. Eddie, thank you so much for being here today um, and talking to us about the importance of due dates and providing some perspective for women out there. So um, this conversation is actually going to continue for members of our Preggy Pals Club. After the show, we'll discuss how your prenatal care could change if you do go past your due date and you still haven't delivered that baby of yours. So we'll be right back. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have a comment from one of our listeners, and this comes from Jamie. And Jamie says, Hi, Preggy Pals. I've been using your app for the last few weeks, and I travel a lot, so I don't always get a strong internet signal. Is there a way to download the episodes to my app so I don't have to worry about my connection? Yes, Jamie. Absolutely. Okay, so if you are... In the app, I'm actually using the iPhone app, and you can see, go to the episodes page where you can see all of the episodes, and you'll see there's like a faint star next to each episode. If you tap on that, that star is going to turn yellow. When you do that, you're going to see like this yellow circle form around the star. That means it's in the process of downloading it to your app. So once that process is done, the episode is on your app. Everything is fully highlighted, the star, the circle around it. That's how you know you have that episode on your phone. It's not going anywhere. And regardless of your internet connection, you'll be able to listen to that episode. Jamie, thank you so much for your question. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Parent Savers, for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.